you're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Tactical Kitchen Show. (laughs) I'm not really sure what that one was. That was was my SpongeBob attempt. Oh, I get it. Okay, yeah, because it was a sad week. I probably could have done Alex, not Alex, uh, Patrick better. Patrick. Welcome to the Tactical Kitchen Show. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably more on the Patrick scale than the SpongeBob scale. <laughs> you're shaped like a teardrop instead of a square. So uh, I always I like SpongeBob. Right. But the yeah, the, the guy that did SpongeBob passed away this last week. Do so. you even know his name? Isn't his name SpongeBob? No. <laughs> his name's not SpongeBob. His name is something other than SpongeBob. What is it? I'm going to look it up real quick. I'm sorry I don't know his name. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't... It's not like I was a huge SpongeBob fan. SpongeBob creator. But it was one of those cartoons... Somebody's were, mad at us right now, I bet. Steven was, Hillenberg. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, his name was Steven with a PH. I, I appreciate SpongeBob because as a parent, at least it was funny for the parent to watch as well. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's what makes a successful kids cartoon is it also appeals to parents. Yeah. So Bugs Bunny was like that, though, when we were kids. Right. And you watch, yeah, you watch it you now. You watch it now and you're like, I didn't get that joke when I was five, but I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> and they do that for the parents. They put in kind of like some, you know, they've always done it. They put in a little bit of sketchier stuff for parents so that you'll be entertained along with your kids, stuff that's over your kid's head. Except Barney. Barney oh, did not do that's that. That's not I, even a cartoon, though. Well, Barney's. I hated that kid show, Barney, because it was like, to me, it felt like it was brainwashing. Like like the Nazis had came up with Barney. <laughs> I hated that show. My kids liked it for a while, and then I was like, I'm pretty sure that one day I was like, yeah, it's not on the air anymore. I don't know what happened. I was probably that liar parent who was like, I don't know what happened. We don't have that channel anymore. I totally took that off the air. Sorry, kids. Sorry. Watch SpongeBob. I love you. You love me. No, no, no. That I mean, oh my God, some of the songs. I was just like, if I hear that one more time, I'm going to need to go into the insane asylum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was pretty funny. I bet it'd be horrible to watch now. I couldn't do it. Yeah, me either. I could not do it. But I can watch Spongebob. Right. Yeah. Because it was funny. It was funny. And but speaking that, of punishing yourself. But that, that guy died. We didn't say that. Oh, and he died. In case you don't know, the creator of Spongebob, he died. He had ALS, which, you know, my grandmother, my dad's mom had ALS. So that's such a, a terrible mm-hmm. disease. And, you know, we feel for his family. Yep. We love the show. We love what he did. Yep. ALS, so referred to as Lou Gehrig disease. Um, affects the muscles. Yeah, it and does. and I don't. I, and I've done some research on that because uh, I have uh, a friend whose father passed away, and you know I really feel that eating a healthy ketogenic diet would would benefit people who have ALS. I think it would too. I mean, if the 
you you look at it and you're like the brain and the the um, nerves everything they need these healthy fats and proteins and sugar is always detrimental I mean no matter what no matter what disease you're talking about whether it's asthma to ALS it or, or cancer sugar is never helpful for anything no. Excessive carbohydrates are never an asset in any disease, but healthy fats and proteins are always an asset. So, Because what are you talking about? You're talking about nutrient density. Right. So are are carbohydrates nutrient dense? No, they're not. No. And if you you focus on fats and proteins, that's nutrient dense. And I I contacted my friend uh, when he he put it out that his father had that... that, that ailment and I said, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about doing a ketogenic diet or on top of that supplementing with, with ketones or, or MCT oil? And he said, no. And that actual, what the doctor has recommended to his dad was 400 grams of carbs a day. That blows my mind. And, and we talked about this before we were going to call this the, uh, the upside down world episode. Yeah. Cause the world and it's episode 35. I've caught myself. It's episode <laughs> 35, the upside down world we live in and the ketogenic world. Yeah. So when somebody, a, a doctor is perfectly willing to recommend eating 400 grams of carbohydrates, which are known to cause so many problems, but they don't recommend that you... I don't even understand that. Uh, yeah. They don't recommend, hey, you know, should you increase your healthy fat intake or or make sure you're getting enough protein? No. Well, let's make sure you have 400 grams of carbs a day. I know why they're saying it because their their only idea is that you need carbohydrates for energy, so you're going to need a lot of energy. So eat all of this food <laughs> right, that is right. fast burning energy. But I mean, <sighs> once again, we go okay, upside down world. They tell you to eat carbohydrates, which we know that you cannot store. You cannot store an abundance of carbohydrates in your system. There's no place for it except in fat. Right. But they're, they're, they're thinking about glycogen storage in your muscles. And we know that you can only store in your body anywhere from 1,800 to 2,000 calories of energy of carbohydrates where mm-hmm. you can store hundreds of thousands of calories in fat. Right. And it's accessible. So why would they tell you to eat something in such an excess amount that you cannot, you cannot store or use? And it's not like, not like this person was an athlete. You know, no, this is someone with this is someone with ALS. This is someone who, that's already yeah. in their fifties, elderly, not active, and when you tell them to eat that much of a food they can't use, what what What's is the gonna point? What's going to happen? And, I mean, I, my thought is like, is this doctor trying to end this person's life faster so they don't have to deal with them? I mean, I know that's probably not the case, but well, it's not. It feels like. Like we said, the world is just completely upside down right now. And, and I don't want to be uh, rude or obtuse, but uh, what I said was you need to ask that doctor how many people he's cured with that protocol. Yeah. And the answer is zero. I know the answer. Yeah. It's zero. But So if your doctor gives you a protocol to use that you, that you should question, by the way, uh, you need to ask him how many people have gotten better using what you're saying to do. And if the answer is none, you need to back away. Right. Because that's but- a crazy you know, that's for ALS. And then if you look at, and we've talked about this so many times, but if you look at the Diabetes Association and what they tell people to eat who have diabetes, who need to control their blood sugar, but every meal has 45 to 65 grams of carbohydrate at least in it. And they're like, you know, 
trying to stay away from sugar, but you know, you need this many carbs and carbs are actually something that cause a blood sugar spike. It's just like the world has lost its mind. And then, you know, I mean, you're, you've got them telling you to eat this, but the what we were talking about this earlier today, what's one of the first things that most people say when they're trying to get healthy, that they're going to cut out of their diet. They're going to cut out. I saw this this morning. They're going to cut out red meat. That's the, the first thing they'll go to is trying to be healthy is to cut out red meat. You know, I did that back in the nineties when I was like, I need, you know, I was, I've always been interested and curious in nutrition and I was looking at everything. I, at this point, I just wanted to be skinny. That's, that's really <laughs> like, I was just, I just want to be skinny. I want to be so skinny. And that, which was the dumbest goal ever. It's just, a horrible goal. It's which is a terrible that's a, goal. We've talked about that before. It's a societal issue. Skinny is yeah. not healthy. And I was just like, I just want to be skinny. So my first thing was like, okay. Mary Lou Henner said I need to cut out red meat, and she's got this 30-day plan, and it's mostly soy, and women aren't supposed to eat red meat or chicken because it's too hard to digest. What? Where in the hell did that science come from? <laughs> and it came from nowhere. Nowhere. And so I followed this whole thing, cut out that from my diet, but guess what? I had plenty of honey and coconut sugar and... Uh, let's see, maple syrup, because it was all natural. So it was kind of like, cut out red meat, but you know, you can have this carrot cake where it's made with all honey. And I'm like, I mean that, I will say, I did get skinny. (laughs) I got skinny, but I was too skinny and I had no muscle tone. No muscle, no muscle. And when we talked about this, uh, just yesterday went to a football game and talked to some people um, and we were talking about, you know, how when you're young you can just reduce the calories and get skinny and you lose weight when the, it doesn't work when you're older and the reason is because you can punish your body at a young age and it and it will take it because it has stores it has stores right. that he'll dip into if you're low on magnesium or low on uh, you know uh, B or whatever it'll dip in and and take that from your own body right and it shows up later as most of us find out when you get into your 40s. Whatever damage you did in your 20s shows up exponentially in your 40s. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I did that back in the 90s. I was in my 30s and then uh, late 20s, early 30s. Then when I tried to do that again, like in the uh, mid-2000s, I tried it again. I was like, ah, you know, I'm going to try to like get healthy again and start working out. So I went back to that same plan of eating and cut out all those foods, and <laughs> I started working out. I put on a little bit of muscle just because I was I was stressing my muscles. Yeah. But we talked about my cellulite last week, and I will tell you I've never had so much of a problem with it as I did right then. It mm-hmm. was like the skinnier I got, the worse it got. And I was like, hell, I need to just get fat again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just need to gain weight, and maybe it'll smooth it out. Because it was awful. I was like, I would like... I was like, I can't ever wear shorts ever again in my life. Yeah, because you got skinny, but I didn't. Your legs I didn't had cellulite. Yeah. yeah, you didn't change your body composition. I didn't change my body composition, and I also I wasn't eating foods that helped your skin that contained collagen and helped produce healthy skin cells. I was, you know, I was low protein, mm-hmm. so I was just basically deteriorating my skin and getting at. You know, 38, I felt like I was having that 
um, what do they call it? It's that when you get older, it's your skin gets thin. It looks like kind of like uh, tissue paper. Mm-hmm. And I felt like my skin was starting to look like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to fix that fast. Yeah, so when you when somebody, they want to get healthy and their first thing is to cut out red meat, you, you got to question that. And that comes from the dietitians and the doctors that will always tell you <clears throat> to cut out red meat because it causes problems. And the problems that they'll say it causes is colon cancer. That's the, the That's number one. That's the big one, and heart disease. And, ha- and heart disease. Um, and it'll make you acidic. Okay, it, it doesn't do any of those, thi- of those things, and they have no proof. And I've done the research, we both have extensively, to, to be like, what is the mechanism that they're describing that says that meat causes colon cancer? And it's basically non-existent. It's, yeah. Most of it is, is correlation, not causation. They can't show you what caused it. They just correlate red meat with certain uh, problems. Well, you know, it's always those food questionnaires that they have people answer, and the meat is generally packaged in a question with sugar, cake, and all those things. So it's deceptive because you say you eat red meat, but it's also packaged in this question where you're having to answer it because if you ever have any kind of cake or pie or cookie, um, you know, you're answering that question with it all together. So it's it's not good science at all. It's not. And... I don't know. It's just like they don't ever tell you to quit sugar. I know. What? They don't. So that's, that should be the first thing. Anybody that says, I want to go on a healthy diet, your first item to cross off the list is sugar. That's number one because it is proven to be a poison. And here's a great example of how we know sugar is a poison because when you get a PET scan and they're trying to trace tumors of cancer in your body, what they do is they give you a, a sugary liquid that's radioactive. And they inject that liquid into your body. And when they do the PET scan, they're looking to see where that sugar goes. And it goes directly to the tumors. Because those are hungry little creatures. Because tumors are hungry creatures. And the primary source of fuel is glucose. And that's what sugar does. It spikes your glucose. The glucose will spread through the body, go directly to the tumor. So if you even have a question, like if you might have a cancer, and I'm an example because I've had cancer, and I don't want to say that like, you know, I was in the hospital and had chemo. I had skin cancer, so I had a melanoma. Which yeah, but your grandfather like had skin cancer. My grandfather and he died, died from melanoma cancer, and melanoma is is one of the most dangerous cancers because right. it, it metastasized quickly and spreads. Right. So um, that was a key indicator for us of hey, this is not good. So trust me when we say that we've done the research and and tried to figure out what is a catalyst for cancer. Because I'm in that boat. I've had skin cancer. I've had it removed from my forehead. I have a huge scar there where they did a, a really nasty procedure to just dig it out of my skull. He made me take a picture of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you remember that? You made me. You were like, take a picture of this. And your head was like, you had this huge goose egg. And so anybody that's had a skin cancer or a, a, a spot removed mm-hmm. from yep. their face or their skin knows. I had one removed from the back of my leg. Yeah, and it seems so trivial. Like, oh, it was just a, a small, uh, you know, cancerous spot re- removed. Hey, that's an indicator. It is. And that's when I, you know, I had one removed from the back of my thigh. And that's when I was like, my first thought was I need to stop going outside in the sun, which was <laughs> which is completely, completely incorrect. That's another upside down world. Yeah. And... I, I did cut out sugar from my diet because at least at that point, it was like 2008, 
I knew that sugar was not a good thing to be consuming. Mm-hmm. So I, I was cutting that out. And, you know, because that kind of freaks you out when they're like, well, it's it's precancerous. And you're like, yeah, because I, I know that the melanomas are the deadliest types of, one of the deadliest types of cancer and that they do spread quickly. So I was like, I need to fix well, this. Well, the recommend, recommendation I got from the dermatologist was, Use sunblock and stay out of the sun. <laughs> that is horrible, upside-down world advice, okay? Do not listen to a dermatologist if they tell you that because if you do start doing the research, what you'll find out is sunblock actually will help create skin cancer Yeah. because it blocks the good rays, lets in the bad rays, and it, most of them have a lot of um, bad things in them. They like, have chemicals that Yeah, oxybenzone is one of them. Yeah. Um, you always remember the name of the chemicals, and I'm sitting here going, I can't remember what it was, but it's this chemical, and you don't well, want to have it. again, I had melanoma <laughs> cancer. I did the, I started doing this research. I'm like, hey, how bad is this, and, and how worried should I be? And uh, when you find out that 98% of all sunblocks have a cancer-causing chemical in it, you go, that's when you just stand there in front of the the huge row of sunblocks and go, what the freaking farheads, you know? <laughs> I like your, I like your... I kept it clean. Yeah, if anybody's looking at it, I kept it clean. Kept it clean. So, so when we were in Hawaii, remember we were looking for a sunblock and it took us so long to find one that didn't have any chemicals in it. Right. And we were looking, because we were going to be out, we had not really tested our ability to stay out in the sun right. yet. At that point, I don't think we we had realized that when you cut sugar out of your diet completely, your skin changes how it reacts to the sun. That's such a huge component because everybody's worried about their kid burning in the sun. Right. But if you're giving them sugar while they're at the beach or whatever, you're increasing their chance of burning. That's just kind of like... You would never think that. I would, whoever told you that when you were growing up? Nobody. Nobody. No one. So so you might be thinking right now, well, well what do you do if, if you're someone that's prone to get sunburned? Well, first of all, you got to cut out sugar. It'll make your skin so much healthier you won't even believe it, okay? Because I had skin I had skin problems. I'm not, you know, I had myeloma removed. I had skin patches that were bad. And then what you have to do is get gradual exposure to the sun when it starts to go from winter to spring to mm-hmm. summer gotta that, get out there you gotta get out there and let your son be you know your son your skin be exposed to the sun because it's healthy it makes vitamin d yeah and you know i, I just remember us standing i think where we at whole foods in hawaii we were just standing there going through we'd been to two different stores or something we were trying to find a sunblock and i think we've done this on two okay two different occasions but we were looking and reading all of them we were like Oh, there's nothing available without any crap in it. But we finally did find one, and we ended up not even really having to use it because nope. I'd forget to put it on, and because, and we would be out there all day long. We were out all day long in Hawaii and never got sunburned. Right. So sunblock is not not only is it not healthy for your skin, it's not healthy for the environment in general. In general, yeah. Because most places now in Hawaii ban the use of sunblock. Right, because it's really detrimental to the to it's the killing, ocean. It's and killing the, the coral and the killing coral, the fish, yeah. and it's it's creating this lair. Um, I can't remember the name of the place that was in uh, near Oahu that that everybody would go uh, scuba diving at, not Sharks oh, Bay. It, it, it was um, oh god, yeah, I can't remember the name but, of it. But it they banned it there. 
they, they banned it there because after the weekend, the the sheen of sunblock on the water was so bad, it just it made it horrible. Yeah, we never made it over to that place. We went over to Sharks Cove, and you got in trouble for touching a sea turtle. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was so funny. <laughs> a sea turtle came right by me, and I just kind of ran my finger along his shell, and somebody was like, dude, you can't touch sea turtles. And I was like, I, I had no idea what the guy was talking about. And he said he was going to turn me into the police, and I just told him to beat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like you grabbed this. I think it was because somebody there in Hawaii, there was this instance where people were trying to like grab them and ride them like, right, like right. horses so or something. So it, it turns out there's a law in Hawaii that you can't touch sea turtles, which I had no idea. Okay, I don't live in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, we just got there. It's not like uh, that's a, a brief you get when you step off the plane. <laughs> Do not touch the sea Do turtles. Do not touch the sea turtles. There weren't signs up saying don't did, touch them or Didn't anything. see any signs or anything. So... Uh, you know, I'm not going to abuse the sea turtle, okay? No. I'm, I'm just going to let him go right on by. It was just fun to reach out and touch him because he swam right by me. Hey, I was hanging out in one spot. He swam by me. What if, he, what if he touched me? He now did. what do we do? I know. I Okay. I was going to say something, but I... Is this the hashtag me yes, too? Yes, <laughs> I can't. So too many triggers there for too people. Too many triggers. Okay, let's get back to Upside Down World. Something else uh, I read just today was how the Army, the United States Army, is banning... CBD oil, okay, because they had they had some incidents where people had came to the emergency room for vaping CBD oil, okay? Uh-huh. There's a huge difference between vaping and using CBD oil like, uh, you know, something that does not have THC and you're using it for anti-inflammation or pain problems. Well, yeah, because they even have CBD oil balm that you can use for your achy joints, kind of like, right. like Tiger Balm. T- Tiger Balm. CBD oil so, in it. So the army has a few problems. So what do they do? They don't ban the vaping oil. They ban CBD oil altogether. Period. End of story. <laughs> this is like when you have kids and they do something wrong, and you're like, you take your. It's instead of like you're going to be grounded from video games for two days. It's like I'm taking all the video games. You'll never <laughs> see another one. We're banning video games for the rest of your life. So, yeah. you know, they could have done something as simple as, like, ban vaping. Just they ban vaping, have. okay? It's not healthy in any regard. But, okay, this is also, you know, the Army will ban CBD oil. But if you go to the Class 6 on an Army base or Army post, they still sell tobacco, which has, is a known... <laughs> no, that kind of causes Does cancer. Does that cause any issues? I've heard tobacco? it causes issues. Have you heard anything there's, about tobacco? There's one or two studies, I think, that might confirm that. They still sell a ton of alcohol. I don't know if there's any problem with alcohol. Pretty sure there's. I'm pretty sure there's no medicinal uses of alcohol out there. I don't know. Besides getting drunk and passing out. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, and they still sell a ton of energy drinks, which have been shown to cause all these problems. So <sighs> yeah, it's funny. It's an upside down world. You talk about being extremely hypocritical. It drives me up the freaking wall. And but but that is the world we live in. Okay, because we're you know we're a capitalist society. We're driven by money and economics and how all that stuff works. Um, but people are using data to trick you into buying things like the McDonald's French fries. Oh my gosh. So this week, yeah, I don't know where I saw this. Someone else posted it. It was about McDonald's fries and I haven't eaten McDonald's fries in like a hundred years. So I don't even remember the last time, but they were talking about, it was the list of ingredients and McDonald's fries, and like one of them is uh, 
oh, I can't remember the name. It's like I said, I never remember. It's the, a really long name. name but Doxypolysil. It's a top type of silicone, silicone, right? Yeah, it's a silicone. I posted about it. It's a big word. It's a ten dollar word, and. So what it is, it's the same ingredient that is used in um, like aquarium sealant and uh, silly, co- silly putty, si- silly putty, silicone caulk for your like windows and things like that. And it is also apparently a food additive. Mm, but, so, but but the key was how did they label it? Oh, well, this was just labeled as what it is. It's an anti-foaming agent okay. for oil. It keeps the oil from foaming up. when Because if you've ever boiled potatoes and you get that white foam on top, then you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and it'll boil over. So they add this ingredient to the fry oil so it doesn't do that. Because you got kids frying. You don't want to burn them with oil. <laughs> So it's an anti-splatter agent. So then they add this other stuff. It's TBHQ or TBQH. I can't remember. And that was the one that is a butane-derived product. So think lighter fluid. Mm -hmm. And they label it in their ingredient list as an antioxidant in their frequently asked questions. (laughs) So So what it does is it (laughs) preserves the oil from the manufacturer to the restaurant so the oil doesn't go rancid because we all know they're using great oils to fry their fries. And so they put this stuff in there to keep the oil from going rancid, and it's basically like butane. And they label it as an antioxidant to make you feel better. Yeah. So that's, again, we talk about that all the time. You're being marketed to, and that is a marketing technique because there's probably some legal loophole where they can say that and not be sued. Oh, yeah. But, however, uh, logically, we know that's total BS. Well, they can call it an antioxidant because it keeps the oil from oxidizing from plant to restaurant. So that's why they can say that. And but when you look at it, it's it's uh, the same thing they put in lacquer. So if you're gonna shellac or lacquer your wooden table, um, you could just I guess drink it because that's the same stuff that's in your McDonald's fries, which is crazy. What an upside down thing. It is. It's absolutely insane. And and it goes back to cutting out the red meat and not knowing what the cause is of of whatever is causing cancer. Now there's uh, again we, we talked about sugar. It's it, it's known to feed cancer, but is it the cause? It's the fuel, but it's not the cause. So there's DNA structural damage that happens, and one of the things that you know they cook those those fries in is the oil, the yeah. hydrogenated oil that causes oxidation mm-hmm. and causes problems, and and that is what I will tell people causes colon cancer when that oil gets in your colon, causes problems in your colon, and it's gonna whatever is in there, it's gonna make it make it all screwed up because as we know red meat does not get to your colon no but people think it does but people think it does they do they think i've been told so many times in the last year since we've been doing this and when i post about it i'd hate to see your colon i'd hate for you to see my colon too because that would mean i was either dead or you were someplace (laughs) you shouldn't be (laughs) what are you doing looking at my colon why are you looking at my colon get out of there what they don't understand is red meat does not get to your colon. It, no. It, it dissolves in your stomach. I've been eating meat for a year, like primarily. I, have you have you had any meat come out? 
No, no. <laughs> well, if you go to the restroom, <laughs> no meat comes out when you go to the restroom. Uh, you so, know what? When I ate kale, guess what came out? Kale. Kale. <laughs> eat corn. Tell me what comes out. Corn. corn. It looks like, even though I chewed it, it looks like it's in the exact same state. Like I could can it like, and give it to somebody else. Like, like someone in there put it back together and, <laughs> and then polished it up. So, You're like, what the heck? So when someone makes that statement of, you know, red meat rots in your colon, that's when you just got to walk away and know that's an uneducated uninformed person making that statement. It's hearsay. It's like playing telephone. <laughs> it know? is. Somebody it's, said, I think that meat causes colon cancer. I heard that. Then someone else, guess what? Meat causes colon cancer. You need to not eat red meat. I mean, it's just like, it's hearsay. There's no there's no scientific evidence of that. Right. And, 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 and to go along with this, people uh, who do things on hearsay, and there's all kinds of products out there that you'll run into, uh, the one that I see a lot is the the alkaline water. Alkaline water. Okay, this falls right into it's an upside down world because your stomach has acid. It's supposed to be very acidic. Why? So you can break down food. When you're drinking alkaline water, you're lowering your stomach acid. So you're decreasing your body's ability to break down food and gain nutrients. And then sometimes those people end up with... With reflux, and then they start taking Rolaids, Times, Zantac, Prilosec, any of those things that further turn off that digestive process. And then now we have the makings of autoimmune disease, increased allergies, increased food sensitivities because we have undigested proteins floating around in our blood. And a lot of people don't understand that's the process that happens. You drink this alkaline water, you actually alkalinize your stomach acid with that, which is something you do not want to do when you're eating. Right. The, what You want to increase your stomach acid before you eat, not lower your stomach acid because, like she said, all these problems now come along. And again, that again, we go back to marketing in the upside-down world. They're marketing because they heard that people want to alkaline their system. So they, they market this alkaline water, uh, and so you're trying to do things to be healthy, and you're buying this unproven, uh, you know, marketed crap to try and get healthy, and you're actually making yourself worse. Right. Well, you know, it ties back into the cancer discussion as well, because people want to alkalinize their, their system because an acidic body... Um, you know, you have more cancer cells. That's the idea. So when I, I think I've mentioned this before, I worked for a lady for like one day because she was crazy. Um, (laughs) And her husband had had cancer. He was so nice. And she was just like, she was wound up tighter than, I don't know. I mean, she was like, whew, she was wound tight. (laughs) And... Everything was supposed to be alkaline. You know, they. she had this book all laid out. I was supposed to, you know, I was going to make all these alkaline foods. Everything, I felt so sorry for the man. Everything was so bland. He couldn't have any red meat. And um, he could only eat like green peas and things that were considered alkaline. And now looking back at what I know, a lot of the foods that she was having me prepare or wanted me to prepare were things that are alkaline on the outside of the body, Mm -hmm. but then when you eat them, they change and become acidic. Whereas a lot of people will say meat's acidic, but when you eat it, it's actually alkaline once it digests. And there's, there's a whole process that happens there that's very complicated, but 
just know that when you eat red meat, you're not, if you're not eating it with sugar, you're great. If you're having red meat and you're having a whole bunch of bread and sugar with it, then you're going you're gonna to have a problem. Right. That's when you're creating the acidity in your body. And like you said, red meat is not acidic. It, it creates an alkaline environment. Yeah, and, and that's the whole reason why people get on this alkaline kick. But your body, and we've talked about this so many times, how tightly this is regulated by the body. Like, if you become acidic, you die. If you become alkaline, <laughs> you, you die. die. There is a not, there is the smallest margin that your body keeps this pH balance. Your pH balance, correct. And it won't allow it to go out of control. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you can eat all the sugar you want and, and make your body very acidic? You can because you're, you're not going to stay acidic. Your body's going to regulate it. And it's going to bring it back down to that proper pH, but it's going to do that by pulling things out of your bones. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have these weak bones like I did when I was a kid, and you fall in the living room and break your arm. <laughs> so, you know, it's just understanding how the body works and you how you can eat to best help your body to not have to work so hard. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's the, that's the whole upside down world when people say when we hear that people say red meat is acidic we want to just fly out of our chairs and go no this is wrong you're doing it you're doing it wrong that's not how it works you know when you look back and let's just take you know looking back anthropologists when they go and they look at cave paintings or mm-hmm. you see, you look at the history of, of mankind they don't find a lot of paintings of people like, hey, I picked these vegetables for you. <laughs> no, it's a lot of paintings of people with spears chasing animals. And, you know, we know that people would chase down animals to exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And they were hunters. And it, you just can't, you can't deny that fact. And if it had been severely an, an acidic or caused all this cancer... We probably wouldn't be here as a species. No, we wouldn't. So I just always want to dial back and peel back the layers and go, wow, let's have some common sense when it comes to some of this science because some of the science is crap. Oh, it's really bad. And there's a there's been a lot of studies that have been retracted because they're crap. Well, you know, I told you before we got on when we were talking about McDonald's mm-hmm. that um, I, I got to look up the word because I'm not going to keep saying the that big $10 word. I have it on here. It's, I don't like $10 words anyway, I know, so I just completely ignore see. them. But, what was that? Because it, it was a study that was done about McDonald's french fries increasing hair growth. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> dimethyl polysiloxane. Dimethyl polysiloxane. $10 word. There you go. So this ingredient, they actually did a study on this ingredient. And said that this ingredient, because it's a silicone product, it increased hair growth. Like where there were no was no hair, you got hair. So all the men listening who would like to increase their hair growth, dimethyl polysiloxane increased hair growth in rats. Right, in rats. So in rats. Okay, now there are rat studies out there that uh, have some, you know. Uh, applications that, that you can actually use, but you have to be careful. And this is why you have to really be wary of of these studies that people always quote. Like the one study that people always quote about meat causing cancer is because um, there's a certain uh, you know chemical that's produced, THA, it's called, I think, 
where it's been shown to cause cancer. And that's why they say not to cook your food, overcook it and burn it. Mm-hmm. Now, but you look at how they came to that conclusion was they took rats. It was a rat study. Mm-hmm. And they fed them 500% more of that chemical than what a human would ever consume. And the rats got cancer. And it, well, it was isolated too. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't isolated. It wasn't like it wasn't like you know they fed rats meat that had been charred. They extracted the one element that they thought was the problem. Problem, yeah. And they f- overfed it. And I'm going to say it again: five hundred percent. So it was it was the equivalent was, of like a human eating like five hundred hamburgers. Yeah, in it one was day. ridiculous. It, it was, was a ridiculous crazy. amount. And then, but what does the what does the study conclusion say? This chemical causes cancer. It's from red meat. Well, this this study was like go eat McDonald's fries, your hair will grow. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> what kind of nonsense is that? Now, when we, we were like, people are asking us for a study. I'm like, this is why I don't put my eggs in this basket. You have to look at, at deeply at studies, and and that's we do that a lot. We read uh, a lot of not only who did the study because you have to look for bias. How did they do this study? Because you have to look for actual controls that are legitimate. And then, you know, what was the outcome and what did they what did they correlate and use as a causation? Yeah. Um, and that goes along with so many other things like, um, you know, the, the upside down world of uh, – I've read the other day where they're trying to put a, a tax on meat, an extra tax on meat because they say it, it – not, not only is meat not healthy, but it's not, not healthy for the environment. <laughs> And this is a great one because this goes into, are you upside down, man? Are you crazy? Because ruminant animals have been around for millions and millions of years. And the relationship between humans and ruminant animals is very close. The only thing that's changed in the past, say, 10,000 years is agriculture. Right. Now we over farm the soil, okay? And we have these great sources of agriculture that... In my opinion, that is what is causing problems on the planet, not ruminant animals that eat grass. No, we've we've said that before. We we say a lot of things more than once. Well, I think it's important to say it more than once. It is. It is because, because, like cows, like we were out walking this morning, we could hear the cows out in the pasture just mooing. And you're like, thank you for pooping on the ground because you're absorbing the carbon. You know, you're you're a net. It's a negative carbon negative animal. Negative carbon animal because you're absorbing the bad stuff in the air and you're causing, you're putting all this good nutrient back in the soil. I mean, it's a, it's the symbiotic relationship between the earth and these animals and, and us. And that's the thing is when you over, over agriculture, the earth and the parts of the soil that they do over agriculture, they stop absorbing the carbon from the atmosphere. Well, you take corn production. We produce so much corn and soy in our country. Out of control. And, and we don't even, like... You don't need it. They're just, like, making up reasons to use it. <laughs> you don't need it's it. It's like, um, we could probably put this in your lotion, you know, or we could probably put this in your french fries. Well, that's and, where vegetable oil came from. Yeah. It, was, it was a byproduct that farmers had nothing to do with. Well, I don't know what to do with this. Let's make gas. Let's, 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 make, <laughs> let's make biodiesel. Yeah, Let's feed so, it to humans. That'll be fun. I know. And then you've got these animals now who they can't go back and fertilize this land. So they started using synthetic fertilizer for that land. And it's just not working out. But we want to tax meat. Um, let's tax let's tax something else. Yeah. Let's not tax that. It's because crazy. This is like we have to have these animals. And 
that's one of the whole things where people are like, don't eat meat because it's harming the environment. No, the, the animals are actually helping the environment, and it would be a better reason for you to say not to eat meat because we need to let them live out their days so they can help the environment. <laughs> I mean, I, it's an upside-down yeah. planet. And you can go research this as, as animals, ruminant animals being a negative carbon uh, uh, imprint on the environment, so you can check that out. Yeah, you can look, go back and listen to our episode with Peter Ballerstead. Yeah, he talks about it a lot. He's such a good expert on ruminant animals and so agriculture. We did get uh, a couple messages this week uh people asking questions and uh we'll address one because we get it often the biggest question of all mm-hmm. how do i start eating meat <laughs> <laughs> so i posted last week about my cellulite issue and i posted a picture of my leg which was kind of like i had that moment sitting there do i hit post do i hit this or no I'm so uncomfortable she's but way braver than I, I won't do it I just don't I just don't do it oh we're going to <laughs> we're going to because I always guinea pig myself out you know and throw myself out there look at my leg and I did get a couple of messages from some ladies going okay I saw your post now how do I start because so you a problem keto or carnivore carnivore Okay, this one's easy. <laughs> well, we say that up front, and then we start talking about it, and we understand we understand the question more in depth. Yeah, the, it, it's a little because we the way we started, it's easy for us to just say, "Well, you just eat meat," because we started doing this from a keto diet after doing that for three years. Mm-hmm. So we're coming up on our one year of eating primarily. Uh, carnivore and not eating plants, I I will say that for me, I've thrown them in every little while, just a little bit. And the last time was disastrous. So, (laughs) but you know, when we start talking about how do you start, I always tell people just start with breakfast. Well, that's the easiest way. It it is. Start with one thing, change your breakfast. That's great. Um, But you, you should talk to someone that's done it so they can tell you what's going to happen Right. Because there's going to be a microbiome change. Your gut is going to change. And uh, you don't want to interpret any of those changes as bad things. No. And I do want to throw one cautionary tale out there. When it comes to changing your diet from, say, you're eating just like a regular standard American mixed diet of carbs, heavier, heavier on the carbs and maybe processed food... You don't want to mess around with this. Like, you don't want to go into, I'm going to do carnivore and do it for three weeks and then bail out because you're right at that point where your your digestive system is really starting to change. Mm-hmm. And you can cause yourself some big problems by playing with this. So I do want to throw the cautionary you know, word out there that if you decide to do this, you need to be, uh, you need to come to Jesus meeting with yourself. <laughs> like, what am I willing to change? What am I willing to sustain? Right, because this falls back on the you are what you eat, and that's in reference to your, your gut bacteria. Right, and your gut bacteria is there because of what you eat. Right. And when you start changing what you eat, it's going to change. Correct. It's not like you, you're born and you have a, a list of certain... Uh, gut bacteria that all exist in equal amounts. That's not how it works. What you feed your body, whether that be a poor diet or a healthy diet, 
impacts a type of gut bacteria that are going to grow. So when you start to change your diet, you're going to have what they call die-off, mm-hmm. certain certain very nasty uh, gut bacteria who, who, guess what? They don't want to die. No, they don't. And they'll fight like heck. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> They'll a, heck and fight. Yeah, they're a living <laughs> organism that's going to fight to not die. And it's going to, you're going to have some, that's where the carb cravings come from, is that gut bacteria that's refusing to die. So you got to get through that and cross over and, and, you know, make it to where the healthy gut bacteria have now taken over. And that takes a while. Mm-hmm. It does take a little while. And, you know, like we, we've talked about in our previous podcast episodes about when we went carnivore and how we dealt with diarrhea and then dealt with different issues like that, skin issues for me. Um, when that dial starts happening, you can have skin reactions, mm-hmm. you can get rashes, and if you're not working with someone, you can get freaked out is what you can get. Right, if you, you don't know. You can get totally like, upset about it. Yeah, it really helps to have a coach to interpret what's going on because it's easy for someone else that's not in the process to tell you, uh, you know, to look at what you've done and what's happening and can correlate the two and tell you how that's going to impact you down the road. Right. And, if, you know, if you go to some of the Facebook groups where it's primarily carnivore and you ask a question, you're going to get this answer. Just eat meat and drink water. Yes, you'll get that and all the time. You'll get that all the time. And that's that's helpful to a point. Right. But that's not helpful for someone who is all of a sudden breaking out in skin rashes or having migraine headaches or, you know, all the different things that can start happening when you're changing this out, if you don't understand what you're doing, I don't want to scare anyone off from doing no, no, the absolutely. carnivore diet. Because we've been doing it for, like you said, almost a year, and it's amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, we we talked about last week about our gym membership that we got. Yes, yeah. And what weirdest thing, like before when I was doing a lot of carbs, you know, you, you, know, you think, oh, i got to eat carbs to build muscle. You're always told that. And we've totally blown that out of the water over the last few years. But eating carnivore primarily, like I'll say I'm 98%. That's that's where I fall. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, if any of you have seen our ketivore, we're, we eat mostly meat. But going to the gym, I was doing a shoulder workout the other day on Saturday. And I've never had veins show up and I'm starting to get them. And it's weirding me out a little bit, and I like it. But I got the shoulder vein going the other day, and that is without any carbs. Right. You're getting vascularity, getting getting that pump without having to eat carbohydrates because that's what all – everybody that lifts weights or a bodybuilder will tell you, if you don't eat carbs, you're not going to get the pump, man. No, I, my arms felt like they were going to explode. Right. And that is so interesting to me when it comes to working out and eating no bananas, sweet potatoes, no rice, right? None of the bodybuilder foods, and well, I can go and get more. I'm more vascular now, even though it's very small, but I'm more vascular than I've ever been in my life, and it's just amazing. Well, it goes back to mechanisms, and the upside down world is when you ask someone how how do you think carbs build muscle? Yeah, they don't. They, they don't. don't really There's know. no mechanism <laughs> to where carb carbohydrates are building muscle. Muscle is built. You you have muscle breakdown, which you do by lifting, mm-hmm. and then you have muscle protein synthesis. I want <laughs> to emphasize say- the protein in there. Okay. <laughs> Did you want to emphasize protein? Yeah. So that's how the muscle gets rebuilt. So no, at no point in there do I say carbohydrate 
synthesis or any of that stuff. No. And and bodybuilders will, will tie it back to uh, IGF one insulin like growth factor one, and which I found out is actually uh, a, a cancer driving uh, thing in the body. Yeah, too much IGF one can drive cancer, which a lot of things can drive cancer. So don't get wrap around the axle with that. But right, it goes back to you don't have to eat carbohydrates to build muscle or strength. Not required. I'm shocked <laughs> because, you know, it's just like everything that I've ever looked at as a grown person <laughs> trying to figure out how, you know, when I started wanting to build muscle was like, you got to have this much carbs and this much and, and carbs were always first. Yes. And carbs are last on my, on my list always now. And um, now do I tweak my diet a little here and there because you have to be willing to tweak it every now and again to see what's working for you. You have to test. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that maybe next week of tracking and why I have suddenly found that it's super important for me to track. I want to talk about that next week. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll make a note down. in my journal right now. Right, you write that down. I wrote it down in my journal. It was a it's very a very funny joke. Very funny joke. <laughs> so you know, it's just so interesting how it. It's completely upside down. The bodybuilding world, it's upside down. The the uh, medical community, it's upside down. The dietitians, they're upside well, they're, down. They're all together broken. They're, it's I'd... just bro- it is. It's broken. It's regurgitation, like we've said before. Meat doesn't cause colon cancer. Um, meat is actually very healing to the body. It has all the nutrients you need. So I don't. I I. Just look at any time someone says, I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to cut red meat. We see that so often. Right. So, uh, you know, pay attention and you'll start seeing all the uh, the upside down things that you'll notice in your life out there. Absolutely. You know, it's almost Christmas. It's, uh, you know, it's time where people are going to start thinking about the new year. Mm-hmm. And they're going to start thinking about getting healthy for the new year. Yep. And we've talked about putting together a, a 60-day challenge to start the new year. Yeah, something very simple with workouts where you can either choose a gym option or a non-gym membership option. Yep, we got those. Where you can work out at home and do body weight stuff, which is still killer. You can mm-hmm. make it hurt pretty good you just can, using your own body weight. Yep, you can make the dumbest exercises suck and be beneficial. Absolutely. And but we'll talk about that some more when it, in the next episodes. Yeah. I got to start working on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that wraps up this episode. Um, really fun. I enjoyed what we talked about. Yeah, I enjoyed your company as always. <laughs> all right. So we hope you guys have a great day. Uh, go out oh, there. What? Wait. First, if you're out there listening and you have questions or you have comments or you want to leave a five-star review. Oh, yeah. We like that on Instagram. I mean, on Instagram. On iTunes, you, we'll definitely give you a shout-out if you do that. We really appreciate the positive feedback. Um, negative feedback, we don't want to hear you. And <laughs> We'll just crush you, so we'll, don't worry we'll, about it. We'll just be like, delete. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't think you can even delete the negative comments, but whatever. So... Yeah, just hit us up with questions. Um, we love answering questions. It's and, and just feeling like we're communicating with you guys because you're why we do this. Mm-hmm. All now, right. your turn. All right, yeah, my turn now. So go out there, have a great day, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to thetkquestions.com 
at gmail.com. And visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com. 